Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and folks, on today's show, we're doing part two of our conversation on Mark Andreessen's The Techno-Optimist Manifesto. How's it going, Ron? Very good, Ed. Looking forward to this. Well, today we have a, a guest of sorts, uh, a knower of lots of technical things, our, our Greg Tarico. He has been on the show before, little known fact that he has uh, talked with us before about some technical stuff when, back when we did, I think, two shows on Mary Meeker's uh, work. And for those of you who are not members of our Patreon, you will not know that Greg also participates in our bonus shows. So if you kind of like what you hear today, uh, maybe you can... Uh, Gun over and, be, and become a patron, patreon.com slash TSOE, and hear more more from Greg because he participates for a good part of a good chunk of our, our bonus episodes. Greg, um, welcome to back, I guess, to the to, to the soul of enterprise. And um, talk a little bit about what you've been doing since you've been on last. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I've been I've been hoping and praying that Mary Meeker would continue to do her internet trends report and it just it's never happened. We we don't have a report that good since she stopped doing it unfortunately. Really? She, yeah. she what year did she stop? Oh my gosh, was that 2017, 2018? She took a role at a different VC firm and and as a result she just I think the internet trends report was too closely associated with her former employer and not necessarily her, so she's kind of stopped doing it unfortunately. Got it. I was wondering why we stopped that because that was a really thorough report. It was. She's still around. She's still a brilliant thinker just working at a different VC firm. Cool. Yeah. Well, this is going to be more of a conversation of of sorts. And Greg, you also have your uh, your own company that the, you do the the show notes for us and uh, working web media. Uh, so we, we we appreciate that. There's an ad for for what Greg does. If you want to check him out on the the site, so so please do so. But uh, you also do some podcasting with uh, Joe Woodard, who's been on the show as well. Talk just a, a few minutes about that before we start to talk about uh, the, this article again. Yeah, sure thing. So Joe and Heather Satterley do a podcast together, and I help to produce it. I I think most relevant to our conversation today about techno optimism, Joe and Heather just did an episode on the fear of failure and how to confront it and not be afraid to fail. And and I I couldn't think of a more industry specific example to help tee off the conversation today than Joe and Heather's conversation about not being afraid of failure, which is a very optimistic perspective on life. Right. So in, in helping Joe and Heather with the, with the Woodard Report podcast, I think we found a great example that is industry specific to accountants, bookkeepers and lawyers that says, look to the future and be excited. Don't look to the future and be afraid and look to your own business and be excited. Don't be afraid to take a leap. I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. I have a couple of ideas that I haven't tried to capitalize on because I'm afraid of failure. There are a couple of ideas that I have capitalized on 
because I, I pushed forward. But for their most, re- one of the most recent episodes is called The Fear of Failure, and it's great. Yeah, I, I did listen to that. It was good. Yep. So, so Ron, I think we left off with this section was uh, the meaning of life. Is that right? Did we... That's right. Okay. That's right. So we got so we... more more than halfway through uh, the the techno manifesto, Ed, uh, and I would urge people to go back and listen to part one first because we're not going to try and do a recap of mm-hmm. the ground that we already covered. We're just going to take this through to the end of this report and then talk about. Um, at least one person who who made a rebuttal, and Greg, you might have more people who have rebutted or commented on this, good or bad, uh, and we'll end up talking about that as well. So yeah, we did leave off on the section, the meaning of life. All right, so so pick us up, Ron. What do you have? What do you have on the meaning of life? Okay, what what I got out of this section, Ed, and and this is where I started to question it. It, it. He says techno optimism is a material philosophy not a political philosophy. And that's a really important point, right? It's not a political philosophy. It's like, um, what, what, what's the, uh, what's the guy that you like, uh, from whole foods, his John Mackey, John Mackey, what's he call his, his philosophy, conscious Um, capitalism, conscious capitalism. That's not an economic philosophy. That's a management philosophy. Mm -hmm. That's a really important distinction. Right. Mm-hmm. It's one, you know, because if it's a if he if he was talking about uh, conscious capitalism in terms of uh, an economic uh, philosophy, I'd have all sorts of problems with it. But because it's a management philosophy, I think it's fine. In fact, mm-hmm. I agree with it. But um, so that's a really important point. And, and, and then he goes on to say we are not necessarily left wing, although some of us are. We are not necessarily right wing, although some of us are. We are materially focused for a reason to open the aperture on how we may choose to live amid material abundance. And then he says material abundance for markets and tech opens the space for religion, for politics, and for choices of how to live socially and individually. So they're just dealing with the material aspect of life, not as Lappin would say, the spiritual aspect of life. Um, and given the parameters he put around it by calling this a material philosophy, I'm okay with that. Because I scrolled the margin, what, no religion, no <laughs> no morality, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this is this sounds like materialism that we rail against on this program. Mm-hmm. But given how he's defined it, it it's it it's okay. I'm okay with it. It, it, I mean, he is he is right on the edge, though, because the last sentence of that seg- segment is we believe technology opens the space for what it can mean to be human. Right. So he, he's dancing right on the edge of crossing the line, don't you think? Yeah, he is. For <laughs> sure. For sure. Yep. So, Greg, your thoughts on that section? Th- this section at, at a slightly higher level, not into the details, reminds me of how I felt the very first time I used the internet. And I was extremely fortunate to be in college in 1993. And one of my roommates, Rick, came back from class one day. Uh, Rick was from El Salvador, so I'll try to do a really poor accent, right? He was like, (laughs) Greg, you've got to come to the lab and check out this program called Mozilla. So I, I go to the lab and I check out Mozilla and they're like, I go to the Yahoo director and there are like seven pages listed in the Yahoo director. I mean, this is early days, right? Before mm-hmm. Netscape went public. And I was stunned because I could see pictures that refreshed once an hour from the top of the Eiffel Tower. And it just, 
felt like the world had opened up and I was staring at the precipice of something huge. And, and this meaning of life section, it captures, for me at least, it captures that feeling I had when I discovered the internet for the first time and realized that this was the path forward for me. And ever since then, I've been bullish on everything internet related. I mean, I've, I've, I've run a digital marketing company, right? I mm-hmm. mean, I've, I've leaned into this really, really heavily. And and Mark feels just as excited in this section as I did that day in 1993 when I went to the computer lab on Georgia Tech's campus, pulled up Mozilla, and saw the top of the Eiffel Tower for the first time. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely excitement. That's the future glee that I talk about, you know, the, the, those moments of excitement. The, the next section, Ron, is the enemy. And this is by far probably the most controversial section, I think, uh, where and this is what, as we'll see when we talk about the Steve Levy piece. He, he uh, makes some enemies here <laughs> because he says our present society has been subject to a mass demoralization of campaign for six decades and under varying names like existential risk, sustainability, ESG, sustainable development goals, social responsibility, stakeholder capitalism, precautionary principle, trust and safety, techno tech ethics, risk management, degrowth and limits of growth. Hmm. Where have I heard some of those terms? Oh, uh, we've dedicated shows to many of those topics. Yes, we have. <laughs> Zombie ideas, he's called them. Many derived from communism. Yeah. Yeah, and then people didn't like that at all. So, we'll, but we'll get we'll we'll, we'll get to that. Um, I, I think this is where he, I mean he makes some of his strongest statements here, uh, in, including that people who want to prevent this are are potentially killing people. <laughs> yeah, he, he, you know he says our enemies are not bad people; they're bad mm-hmm. ideas. And you know right. we love to say ideas have consequences, right? Good ideas have good consequences. Bad ideas have bad consequences, and. You know, bad ideas, they're, they're like viruses, man. They have a long shelf life. It's its hard to get rid of them. Just look at the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, then he goes on to say our enemy is bureaucracy, vitocracy, right? Vitocracy, um, which is uh, no single entity can acquire enough power to govern effectively. Mm-hmm. That's what that vitocracy means. And then I thought of cockatocracy ed which is government by the least uh suitable or the worst among us <laughs> and i think that's what we're facing right now but that's a <laughs> different different uh different discussion uh he also points out that our enemy is the ivory tower the know-it-all credentialed expert worldview they're delusional unelected and unaccountable playing god uh with total insulation from the consequences this is something Thomas Sowell has written quite eloquently about in, in intellectuals and society. You know, they they have all these great ideas, but when there's bad consequences, they never suffer any of the any of the consequences of their errors. Um, he even cites Thomas Sowell, uh, his unconstrained vision again. Then he goes on to talk about the precautionary principle. Our enemy is deceleration, degrowth, depopulation, the nihilistic wish for fewer people, less energy, and more suffering and death. Um, This is very Alex Epstein, too, by the way. Um, We invite everyone to join us in techno-optimism. The water is warm. Become our allies in the pursuit of technology, abundance, and life. So, I don't know. What struck you about that, you guys? Greg, you go. The the one... 
I, I did have some some issues with this section, as many people did, and 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 that's okay, right? Um, by and large, I'm overwhelmingly positive on the piece, but, but there are a couple of examples in here. Uh, he calls out the enemy as trust and safety. Um, one of the most recent examples of a vacuum left by a lack of trust and safety is, is unfortunately, I think, on X. As Elon Musk has gotten rid of the trust and safety organization inside of X, we've seen an increase in, in blatant Nazism on the X platform. Hmm. And that's as a result of a lack of trust and safety. So I don't necessarily know that Andreessen meant to call up that t- at a tactical level, that kind of trust and safety, but certainly people did interpret it like that. And when I hear trust and safety, that's exactly what I think. So I, I do believe that in this section, he's making blanket statements without, without a lot of explanation and some of the net that he's casting is getting caught up in these rebuttals that we're seeing on the internet because many of them focus on this one section. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, now could clear my throat. But uh, the, the other thing I wanted to add, Ron, is that I learned something about the precautionary principle in this. I did not realize that it was invented to prevent large scale deployment of civilian nuclear power. That was I, I, I did not realize that, that those two things were connected. I had always you know, thought of the precautionary principle as its own thing. But it, we, we certainly agree that it continues to inflict enormous and unnecessary suffering on today's world. He thinks it is deeply immoral and we must jettison it. We did a show on this right after COVID hit. I think we talked about it last week. So this is you know right, right in alignment with our thinking. But we are up against our break. I want to remind those of you listening that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. We are sponsored, of course, by uh, have a Patreon channel where you can go out and, and take a look at that, patreon.com slash TSOE. I mentioned that. Our latest sponsor is Bookskeeping, the Bookskeeping franchise. So check them out at Bookskeeping Franchise. But right now, a word from those sponsors. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah, 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 Whatever. And four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Ron, we talk a lot about business opportunities. Well, now a great one has become our sponsor, bookskeepingfranchise.com, bookskeeping with an X. That's right, Ed. If you are interested in becoming part of the $4.2 billion bookkeeping industry for a franchise fee of just under $20,000, visit www.bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping comes with full training, plus marketing and technical support, and even staffing. Visit the website or call 855 935 2669. Franchise opportunity not available in all states. 
Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're doing part two of our Techno Optimist Manifesto, which was written by Mark Andreessen. And we were on the section, The Enemy. And we talked about how his enemies aren't bad people, they're bad ideas. And Greg, you had more to say about this section. So I'll throw it back to you. And what else did you yeah, pick up Yeah, on? yeah, man. Um, the, the, the part about the ivory tower, um, you know, the, the know-it-all credentialed expert worldview, I think he could have been a little less harsh here. <laughs> <laughs> this academics, is a very old charge. <laughs> yeah, it is. It absolutely is. But, 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 you know, academics are paid to think. And... And if they if they don't think through the bad ideas and the good ideas, I don't know that we're better off by constraining them. Uh, so I, I I felt like he could have been a little less harsh in that sec- section. But then he goes to the next section. He moves along to speech control and thought control. References George Orwell's 1984, and I've made a joke about this for years. Uh, but in 1984, uh, you know, the government has a a, a vast series of ways to control the population and the, I mean, even down to thought speak, right? The, the way that we use our words, um, the TVs that watch us. And I've thought for years now that 1984 might be closer than we think it is, but the government didn't do it to us. We did. We voluntarily took monitoring devices called iPhones, put them in our phones and carry them with us everywhere we go, right? We didn't need the government to make 1984 happen. We made it happen on our own. And I've just always thought that's an an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. The watches and everything that we're connected to, it's amazing. But my point on that though is that, yes, we did it to a, pri- a, a private company that we have a level of trust for. And if they mess us up, we're going to unstrap them. Um, uh, you know, if, if I find out that, that, that Apple is, is sending information about the government to the government for me through my phone and all that, well, gone. So, I mean, which is one of the reasons why Apple is so big on, no, we are secure. We're not doing stuff like that, or at least that's their messaging. Yeah. And one, one other point on this, the, the whole enemy thing where he talks about is deceleration, degrowth, depopulation, you know, less people, less energy. Mm-hmm. I was just listening to Alex Epstein. He's been over in Africa talking, giving, delivering his message to people in Africa. And he said, listen, he said, you people, you know, you're being told not to develop, not to use fossil fuels so you can become wealthier. It's immoral. It's absolutely immoral. And you need to start saying it because the zero growth people, the zero, the 2050 net zero people, they have no backbone. They're not going to be able to do anything. And they're not going to be, they're not going to want to be accused of holding Africa in poverty. I mean, that's one thing that, and I know we'll get into this when we get into Steve, Stephen Levy's reply, but 
you can talk about inequality all you want, but let's talk about poverty. And that's why I find Alex Epstein so compelling because he he's talking about that. You know, this is the best way to reduce poverty for crying out loud. You know, then we can battle over inequality later, but let's make, let's get the pie bigger for everybody first. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. So <laughs> now, now we're into the future, the section, the future. Short and section. Here, uh, yeah. Very short section. He said, what world are we building for our children and grandchildren? Right. A world of fear, guilt, and resentment, or a world of ambition, abundance, and adventure? And isn't that the perennial question, right? This is Virginia Postrel's framing of the future and its enemies, you know, the past versus the future, right? Which one are we going to look to? Um, He cites David Deutsch, who says, we have a duty to be optimistic because the future is open, not predetermined, and therefore cannot just be accepted. We are all responsible for what it holds. Thus, it is our duty to fight for a better world. We owe the past and the future. It's time to be a techno-optimist. And then the last sentence, it's time to build, is certainly echoing from uh, Yaval Levine uh, and in his work, which is actually, the book is called A Time to Build. <laughs> well, Ed, nobody remembers the the consumers. Mm-hmm. We remember the builders, the creators. Right, right. right, the, right. The cre- I mean, we all consume. That's There's nothing exciting about that. It's the builders that we should you know, place on a pedestal. Anyway. Mm-hmm. There's also the Mark Andreessen piece from... April 18th of 2020 called it's time to build. Yeah. Mm. All right. That was his, that was his, um, uh, COVID piece, right. Okay. Um, about three months. Yeah. 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 A- April. So about two to three months after COVID hit, he wrote that piece called it's time to build. Uh, so the, 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 the next section, which is not, it's not always on the website, but it's, uh, it, it was in the, the version that I saw is the list of patron saints of techno optimism. Yes. So I just want to, I just want to read a selection of them. David Friedman, Deirdre McClowski, Frederick Bastiat, George Gilder, Johan Norberg, Marion Tupi, Richard Feynman, Thomas Sowell, and Virginia Prostrell, um, all of which we've either had on the show or done shows about. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ludwig von Mises, right? Oh, Mises. Uh, I'm sorry. I forget. I missed yeah, him. Yep. Julian Simon. We've done a show on him. Melton Friedman, Paul Johnson, the great historian, um, Paul Romer. We've talked about Paul Romer before in his new growth theory. Um, and uh, Pareto is in there. Um, and William Nordhaus, Ed, who we've talked about multiple times with this two. Right. We didn't do a show on him, which is why I didn't no. highlight it. But right, yes. right, right, <laughs> right. But just others. Um, I mean, he, he's he he's he, you can tell. And Dreesen, just like Peter Thiel, these guys are incredibly well read. Mm-hmm. And if he's read all these people, I'm I'm super impressed. I mean, this is um, <laughs> these are good people to read. Yeah. Oh, Clayton Christensen, we did a show on him too. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Greg, any, any, anything? Yeah, and John Galt. <laughs> yeah, Galt. I thought that was that was funny <laughs> in there. Yeah. Any other observations, Greg? Before we move on to to, to the the anti articles. I'm, I'm glad you called out John Galt because I want everybody to follow that away. It's going to come back around when we talk about the. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, I, I would be curious. There's, there's not a way for us to answer this right now, but I would be curious as to who didn't make this list. If this list were longer, who would be on it? Cause it's, it's one of those reference lists. Like you said, Ron, that if Teal and Andreessen and others have, have read these authors, they're extremely well-read individuals. And this is a great list. So, Give me a longer one. I kind of want to know who else would be on it, right? I, 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 it's, that's Isn't that the problem with making lists? I think Buckley said this somewhere. 
he says, if you, if, if you make lists, you're, you're going to, by definition, exclude somebody, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or others. And it's just going to be a quagmire, you know, as we learned, Ed, when we tried to do our best books. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's a quagmire. <laughs> at, the, at the top of the list, you have uh, based Beth Jesus. Um, I did not know about this Twitter account. Uh, this is an amazing account. <laughs> Um, I, I, I went down a rabbit hole, uh, following based Beth Jesus. <laughs> really? Is, yeah. It's, okay. it's hilarious. Do tell, do tell. Do We've tell. Got, got a yeah, few minutes yeah. before. Yeah. I, I didn't even look at that. Yeah. 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 Wildly sarcastic account. Um, he's actually, uh, the, the one that possibly coined the phrase effective accelerationism E slash ACC. Uh, which is referenced in a few of the rebuttals, right? But if you if you scroll through it, one of the one of the posts at the top of of this account, working on a sort of Pied Piper for the whole universe, that's the post. Now, if we remember, Pied Piper was the company inside of Silicon Valley, the show that lampooned Silicon Valley that used to be on HBO. Pied Piper was the um, uh, the compression engine that was written by the company. So this. Post basically says he's working on a compression engine for the whole universe, which to me is hilarious. Um, it, you, and you just go on and on and and joke after joke after joke about really, really cutting edge technology, large language models, llama from Facebook. And, um, if this stuff interests you, based Beth Jesus is a great X account. All right. Good, good to check out. Sort of, sort of like some of the. Uh, I'm trying to remember who, who, who but there, there's a, uh, oh, the Michael Bloomberg account, the El Bloombito, which is one of my all-time favorites. Just a, <laughs> 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 which, which was, which was trying to poking fun at Michael Bloomberg when he would do Spanish recaps of the when Hurricane Sandy came through New York, and it was like kind of broken Spanish. It just, yeah. And anyway, it, but the guy ran with it. It was pretty good stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, anything else for, want to mention, Ron, or we, we, should we just, well, how about we just take our break a little early then so we can get into the article. So I'll, I'll just say that we are sponsored by 90 minds at this point too, on our Patreon channel and to go to 90 minds.com to check them out. You can find a mind with, with them. They, they are a sponsor for our Patreon channel, which I mentioned you can get at, patreon.com slash TSOE. Also, if you'd like to rate this podcast, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE, and we will read any reviews that we get, good or bad, on the air. Love to hear from you. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. 
Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials commercials plus bonus content go to patreon.com slash tsoe subscribe now and be free you're worth it streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and today on the soul of enterprise we are doing part two of our conversation about mark andreessen's the techno optimist manifesto and uh, we there's been several articles that have been published in criticism of of this uh, manifesto. Probably the best known is by Wired author or Stephen Levy, written several books. But Greg, why don't you give us a quick rundown on 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 who Stephen Levy is, and, and then also maybe jump in and and critique his critique. <laughs> Uh, Stephen Levy is is well known in the technology space. Uh, many of the listeners today probably also know who he is. Back in '84, he wrote a book called Hackers, and pretty much established like what we would consider today to be the hacker ethic: white hat versus black hat hacking. Uh, so he was the forefront of technology even back in the '80s. Most recently, though, he's probably. Uh, well-known in in many circles for writing a book, Ron. You'd mentioned it called The Perfect Thing, which is, was about the iPod shuffle. Um, and then after that, he gained access to Google executives and wrote a book called In the Plex, How Google Thinks, Works, and Shapes Our Lives. That was 2011. So that was when, when Google really was at a significant peak in their company history. And then after that, he wrote a book called Facebook, The Inside Story, which also involved access to company executives. So he's one of those journalists that when they come calling, um, you think twice about saying no to him, which is why his continued involvement in Wired, since it was a magazine, a printed physical magazine that I used to read as a college student <laughs> when I worked in the in the music listening room on campus all the way to today, uh, Wired.com, he, he's been involved. So Stephen Levy, when when he writes something, we, we tend to listen. We want to know what he has to say. He's got great context given his perspective. And he had some problems with Mark Andreessen's <laughs> Techno optimist manifesto, to say the least. And uh, Greg, does Wired still have a print magazine, or are they all online? Uh, they they may. I I certainly don't read it. <laughs> I I, I still I think they still do have a print edition. But wow, I can remember uh, Gilder made a couple covers. I think he made at least one cover mm-hmm. talking about the cloud revolution back in seven or six or something. I mean, it was a while ago. Um, so yeah, I used to, I used to get it, the actual physical magazine, it was beautifully produced. Oh, it was so well done. It was, it was one of the most exciting things 
that I looked forward to from a print perspective. Uh, their hot or not column, which would show coming trends and trends that were falling off. Uh, the fact that they spawned suck.com early on, which was a wonderfully written website. I, I, Wired has had such an impact on our technology consumerism uh, that this this article by Stephen Levy called What the Techno-Billionaire Missed <laughs> About Techno-Optimism isn't one to be ignored. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I would love to say that, remember, Andreessen wrote the Techno-Optimist Manifesto and specifically used the word optimist in his title. He's an optimist. He's excited about the future. I am just as excited about technology in general as I was, and I'd reference that day in 1993 when I saw the internet for the first time. The beauty of technology is that it gives us the opportunity to have these back and forth conversations. So just like Andreessen was free to hit the publish button, so is Levy. And right. We're and, also and free Dreesen, to take them down. And Dreesen <laughs> wrote his on October, or published it on October 16th. And then Levy comes out on October 28th. And this was published in Wired, right? And I'm sure you've already got the link up or we'll have yes. it in the show notes. But so what struck you about this art? Because I got all sorts of things in here. But what, what struck you about his critique, Greg? <sighs> Man, th this is tough for me because I have a lot of respect for Stephen Levy, right? I think out of the gate, he's on the attack immediately in this article. And I, I didn't like that, right? He he calls out Andreessen for, for um, bolting from late stage capitalism's Mount Olympus, <laughs> otherwise known as Silicon Valley Sand Hill Road. That's the first sentence of the second paragraph. Now, I have a big problem with the phrase late stage capitalism. I think it's a bunch of garbage, right? <laughs> and, and the fact that he comes out and immediately goes on the attack here, I, I had trouble with it. And I sort of, I, I, I wanted to discount his words immediately because he didn't present me with a logical retort up front. He presented me with an attack. That was probably my biggest issue with the um maybe 1500 words it's not a terribly long article right i know he, go, he he says it's an over-the-top declaration of humanity's destiny as a tech-empowered super species ayn Rand resurrected as a substack author <laughs> technology must be a violent assault on the forces of the unknown to force them to bow before man we are not victims we are conquerors yeah he didn't like any of this language no the, the the tell is late stage capitalism that's the tell as soon as i mean this is this is straight out of marx yeah, straight as, out as of if, marx as if capitalism gets tired yeah. you know i mean <laughs> no it doesn't work that way <clears throat> late stage capitalism has been going on since marx said <laughs> we're in late stage capitalism it's like it's a, it, it, it's a it's a huge tell for me and that's the first thing i highlight like okay i i really i really don't have to go further because he he gave me his tell <laughs> and and right behind that tell ed he says never mind the astonishing income inequality if money's the only motivator you know, this must be news to the inventors of the internet, civil servants and academic geeks with zero profit motive who adamantly opposed any commercialization. Well, then, okay, Stephen, but then you couldn't do Wired because <laughs> it, it was the non-geeks who democratized it and brought it to the masses for crying out loud. Otherwise, academics would have just kept using it to shuffle porn around or something. <clears throat> yeah, you know. 
Uh, I, I think that that's in fact, he uses the the phrase late state capitalism, not once, but twice. It's it's yeah. it's down there even even further. Um, and, and you know what I found? This is an incredibly tendentious response because mm-hmm. he's not addressing Andreessen's point. No, he bounces. He bounces. He talks about the the incredible wealth creation, but then he bounces. What, what about the income inequality? Well, mm-hmm. deal with the wealth issue, Stephen. Then we can talk about inequality. But tell me, do you want people to have bone crushing poverty? And do you know any any other way to lift people out of bone crushing poverty? If you do, please enlighten us. If you don't, shut the hell up about late stage capitalism because it's the only antidote to poverty. I, I just, I just, this section was just really, it, it's really graded on me. <laughs> Can hardly tell, Ron. <laughs> <clears throat> if, uh, if, I, if I had an opportunity, <laughs> and I don't, and I recognize this is very, very large of me, right? If I had an opportunity to rewrite this piece, I would flip it upside down. She gets at the very bottom, the mm-hmm. very last paragraph. Yes, I'm a techno-optimist. This is mm-hmm. Stephen Levy writing, but in lowercase. I will co-sign one of the vital questions Andreessen raises in his essay. What world are we building for our children and their children and their children? Our solutions are very different. If he led with that and then detailed some of those solutions as a rebuttal to Andreessen's piece, this would have been an amazing article. Yeah, he he didn't he didn't re- rebut it. It was it, there was there was not no nothing factual. And like Ron said, he didn't address the the biggest issue, which is the wealth creation aspect of it. <laughs> I, I I don't know where you go. It's it's only looking at the downside. He talks about the U.S. is the most advanced technology in the world, but life expectancy has gone down and the homeless problem. Okay, those are real problems, but you don't have any solutions to them either, Stephen. Well, wealth distribution, Ron, that's that's I'm sure his his solution to it. Uh, the uh, whatchamacallit, the uh, can't think of it where you distribute all the, the just the money directly. I can I can't think of the, the the name for it. Um, UBI. 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 Thank you. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, 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 that that's probably his response, which is in, inane. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, 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 and then he goes on to say that, you know, uh, Andreessen warns readers of the demoralization campaign that he says, you know, derived from communism. And he used these terms like sustainability, tech ethics, risk management. Uh, social responsibility, but but what about the precautionary principle and all the other things that Andreessen mm-hmm. pointed out? He doesn't deal with any of that. He just pick he just cherry picks the ones he wants, um, and then and of course he takes on the AI you know AI that was prevented from existing as a form of murder. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that. None of us like that line. No, I, I thought that was over the top from Andreessen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely over the top, and it, it, maybe hyperbole because you're writing a manifesto. But still, uh, I would I would have struck that sentence for sure. Yeah. And then just one other thing, he says triumphal triumphalist extolling the genius of an anno, anarcho capitalist system that provides people with iPhones and autos and denies healthcare and homes to millions. Um, first off, nobody's denied a home, and second off, nobody's being denied healthcare. You know. Mm-hmm. Not having insurance is not the same as being denied health care. How many times do we have to talk about it's a federal law in this country? If you're ill, you go to an ER, you cannot be turned away, mm-hmm. period. 
period for non i mean and this is where they get the uh, what's that line ed the what's your non billable revenue oh yeah Re- <laughs> revenue <laughs> revenue from uncompensated <laughs> care <laughs> yeah well that's what it is it's people going to the er that don't have health insurance and and so that 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 was just it, it's a cheap shot it, it it's this is like he's sloganeering here Oh, and, and maybe that maybe the the housing problem in San Francisco has to do more with the fact that the NIMBYs won't let anybody build anything. <laughs> yeah, including the government. Yeah. <laughs> in, in that same paragraph, Ron, he starts it by saying, to me, this is Stephen Levy speaking, the abiding mystery of Andreessen is what happened? When I first met him in the mid-1990s, he was a joyfully energetic lad from the heartland. I hear that same energy and and optimism in his piece the techno optimist manifesto he just now happens to be a gabillionaire who's been wildly successful in a venture capital firm and 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 took netscape public and doesn't he say somewhere in here greg about you 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 realize that mark andreessen hasn't had a conversation with a poor person yeah isn't that in here somewhere Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, okay. Thanks for the ad hominem attack. How do you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know who he converses with? He may yep. be right about that, but I kind of doubt it. <laughs> so the, yeah. the so the, the second tell for me is the the piece that's published right underneath this, which is this little hit on time travel, which is where he he goes over oh, the days when Mark Andreessen was a cheeky young engineer with no with the big plans and no enemies list. And, he, and I read through that and he quotes him from this, this how a propeller had stole the electronic future. Um, I hate to tell you this. Stephen Levy is just jealous. He is a jealous, envious man. He, he, he it, it, From this part of the, it's like, how could this fast talking BS artist be more rich than I am? That's what. <laughs> That's what I got. I, I, Ed, I think that explains a lot more than you think it explains mm-hmm. with some of the academic criticisms of, of entrepreneurs and the nouveau rich and all of that. These, these people are idiots. They don't have my degrees. They don't have my talent. It's envy. Mm-hmm. And as a note to the listeners, we looked for criticism of the techno optimist manifesto and, Stephen Levy being who he is and how well-regarded he is published the best one. And none of us are happy about it at all. It's just because it, I'd love to hear a rebuttal and I don't. Yeah. 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 Well, that was a good point, Greg, about turning it upside down. I, I, I agree with yeah. you. That would have been, you're far more charitable than I am. I, I think it's <laughs> just ridiculous. Just. Well, I, w- I was actually really excited when I saw that he'd written uh, a, p- a piece about it because I've known of his work for so long. I, I read in the Plex. I'm fascinated by the tech space, always have been. And and he's a voice that, I, like I said, when he writes, I listen. Yep. Yeah. You know who I'd like? Did Has Kevin Kelly said anything about this? Because there's a voice I really respect. Mm, that would be interesting. But unfortunately, or fortunately, because we have to pay the bills, we are up against our break. Want to remind those of you that you can contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe.com. We did mention that we do have a Patreon channel and you can get a shout out at a certain level. Get one like Geraldine Carter did at Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Check her workout at geraldinecarter.com. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. 
Little Birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're doing our review of the Techno Optimist Manifesto by Mark Andreessen with our special guest and marketing wizard, Greg Tirico. And Greg, you and and we're also talking. We've been talking about the rebuttal by Stephen Levy, uh, Levy from Wired magazine. And Greg, you had some other things that you found on this as well. So curious to see what you dug up. Yeah, there are lots of rebuttals out there, right? And it, if if you think that that Ron and Ed and I are Andreessen fanboys, uh, that's fine. I don't. <laughs> it's cool. You're allowed to have that opinion. Um, what I what I think is undeniable about what Andreessen has has tried to do is elevate the conversation. He's tried to bring a civil conversation to the internet. God bless the man. Yeah. <laughs> in in 2023. So I'm just going to very quickly read three uh, short paragraphs from three different rebuttals. Um, because they're, they're hilarious, but disappointing. So the first one comes from an individual on LinkedIn at best, the manifesto is a mess of selective referencing and outdated ideas masquerading as some sort of futuristic ideals. Bear in mind, it's being brought to you by the people knee deep in crypto boosterism and worthless NFTs. (gasps) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like I said, bless Andreessen for trying to elevate the conversation and, and, and have a civil dialogue on the internet in 2023. Uh, another great example. Uh, this comes from the New York Times, by the way. Uh, there's probably a German word to describe the unique combination of horrifying and silly that this vision, his manifesto, evokes. But it is taken seriously by people who imagine themselves potential chief executive authoritarians, or at the very least, proxies. The New York Times. Yeah. 
Uh, here's another one. Uh, this comes from the Financial Times. And this is a criticism that's been levied several times on Andreessen because A16Z went all in on crypto and NFTs. They saw it as a, tech, as a technology trend. They're a, they're a venture capitalist firm. They're supposed to try to get ahead of these, these trends and boost them with financing in the Financial Times. Faced with the morally bankrupt spectacle of crypto, it is also hard to swallow the idea that technology is all positive and should be left to accelerate ad infinitum. So I'm deeply disappointed in the rebuttals that I'm reading because they they are they are word salads, um, ego strokes of uh, apparently of the individuals that are writing them and and I believe that if we take Andreessen at face value, he's simply trying to elevate the conversation and and spark a a a civil conversation about the the po- wildly positive world that technology can bring us. Mm-hmm. And the results I read uh, yeah. I really do no service to the people. That which, which is why the, 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 the whole, the whole murder line is, it was a bit of a disappointment because that, that, that to me was a little bit uncivil and, and an unnecessary swipe and maybe, maybe caused undue. Uh, but that's that said, I have extreme flatulence from the word salad that came from those sources. And the, 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 that New York Times piece is, is just so far off that the people who are techno optimists are the least authoritarian. We're saying, no, we don't want we don't want to have authority in charge. We want to allow a thousand flowers to bloom and see what happens. That's the whole point. And can I just point out that at least Mark Andreessen is using his own money to fund what he sees where the future is going. Yeah. That's a bigger well, difference than the government subsidizing windmills and solar panels. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, and on a related topic to this, uh, there a Joe Biden signed a sweeping executive order on artificial intelligence earlier this week that I'm not, I kid you not, was partially inspired by Tom Cruise. This is according to the dispatch in a piece that came out this morning called Tomorrow Never Knows. Um, and it, the, quote, White House Deputy Chief of Staff Bruce Reed revealed that the movie star latest installment of Mission Impossible series, which features Ascension AI as the film's villain, uh, was added to Biden's worries about the future about futuristic technology. "Quote: If he hadn't already been concerned about it, what could go wrong with AR before he saw that movie? He had plenty more to worry about." Reed said after the after screening the film with the president, and then in their in their in their inimitable style, the dispatch right, they better not show him Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Policy making uh, by movies. By by movie, right? So and now this is the longest executive order in history. It's over a hundred pages long. And the thing is, is that when you really dig into it though, most of it is uh, is in fact dealing with how the governments and the government organizations should respond to AI. So there's no nothing as yet outward that that project outward to say this is what companies should do other than with how they interact with the government so what they want is the order mandates the development of standards monitoring and review of processes of how the government uses ai it sets standards on the use of ai across economic sectors as well as requirements for what the biggest ai developers must share with the federal agencies about their system 
So in a way, it's all it's the the executive order is where it's targeted where it's supposed to be. Now there is fear from outsiders that this is going to get bigger. Right. That said, and this is some researchers worry about the order could suffocate innovation and lead the U.S. to losing its edge over geopolitical competitors like China. The EO appears to be empowering agencies to gradually convert voluntary guidelines into a sort of backdoor regulatory regime for for AI, a process which would be made easier by the lack of congressional action on AI, said Adam Thierer. Uh, senior fellow of technology and innovation at the R Street Institute and guest of the soul of enterprise. So <laughs> on the precautionary, uh, on the precautionary principle and, and permissionless innovation, right? So he, yeah. he, he has dealt with this issue. The danger exists that the U S could undermine the policy, the policy culture and make our nation a hotbed of digital innovation and investment. So they're, they're, they're on this, they're, they're pushing back. And the executive order, as I said, doesn't go all that far. Um, but it's laying down a gauntlet that I think it can, it, I, and I hate the idea of using the slippery slope argument, but it's potential slippery slope. So there you go. So we didn't have a sales tax on the internet for like 20 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. We, we are racing to regulate AI in a, in a way that could potentially harm us. And from the techno optimist manifesto to bring everything back around, Mark Andreessen says, quote, a technologically strong America is a force for good in a dangerous world. I couldn't agree mm -hmm. with that more. Yeah, me neither. That's a great line. No, it's a great manifesto, and people should read it and come to their own conclusions. But um, I, I just don't see anything in here that that um, contradicts human flourishing and progress. No, uh, it, you know, and, and I think this is still fear fear mongering in a certain sense that people are worried about this a general purpose AI that's going to you know, take over the world and make as many paper clips as it possibly can and kill human beings and yeah I, I I just I just don't see where that where that's the reality of the situation and um, I guess I could be wrong I could be naive and I guess that's what they're worried about is like well there's a point oh 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 one percent chance of that happening. I guess, but what's the alternative? Completely change the trajectory of history for a point oh 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 one percent chance of happening, I, or worse, as as a, let let China do it because you know they're not going to slow down. <laughs> right, they're going to hit the pause button. I know, and I, we this is becoming a, a recurring theme on this show. But just why is it that optimists just aren't appreciated? You know, they get a bad rap. If you're a pessimist, you doom and gloom, you can sell books, you get on TV. But man, if you're an optimist, you just get hammered. And Gilder's it, faced this his whole career, I think. Right. If it bleeds, it leads. If it bleeds, it leads. That's why. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, yeah. All well, right. Thanks, Greg. This was an honor to have you on a treat, too. It's great oh. to have your viewpoint. You're much more charitable than I am. Mm -hmm. to, uh, Weavy. But uh, it, was, it was all it was all my pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, Ed, what do we have coming up next week? Next week, we're going to talk about Goldratt's Rules of Flow. Rules Man, of can, Flow. I can't believe I brought this to you, and I'm actually <laughs> interested in it. So I'm going to listen to Ed do a project management course and not fall asleep. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise. 
business in the knowledge economy. Sponsored by Sage. Building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. And in the meantime, please visit us on the web at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.